spoiler alert. This is a Dissecting Dexter podcast, reviewing Dexter Season 5. There will be plot information for Season 5, and possibly previous seasons. You have been warned. Hi and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter, the first podcast of 2011. Well, Happy New Year everybody. I hope you all had a really great Christmas and New Year. I did. It was um, it was a little bit, bit intense at times with, with two young kids. Uh, you've just got to keep going, haven't you? You don't get the chance to just sit back in an afternoon and, you know, with a bag of biscuits and a couple of beers and enjoy the sound of music or whatever film he's on in the afternoons but um it was good it was good the kids loved it um i got a blu-ray player which was uh, which was really good and uh my inaugural blu-ray disc was inception which um i hadn't seen uh so that was it was good to um to see that new year new year's eve was uh well i'd say fairly low-key although um we had a, a nice night at home uh had a bit of a a few games with the kids and uh, and then some cocktails and the oh god the uh, the karaoke uh, game went on the Xbox and um, well the less said about that the better but um, it was good I mean I've never been I've never really been a big fan of New Year I love Christmas and 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 all of that seeing the family and friends and uh, <laughs> presents and <laughs> uh, seeing good films on the telly and all that good stuff and uh uh but new year just i don't know call me call me an old fart if you like but um it just seems like a bit of an excuse to get pissed but um i don't know maybe it is (laughs) but uh I, i guess to be fair um ever since i was maybe 18 or 19 i've never i've never really been one to get to drink too much so um when new year comes around and we go out um i'm usually the one who's who's you know had a couple but uh i, I may be one who's one of the more sober out there and uh i don't know i just it's just just not for me getting tanked up and falling over and being ill the next day it just doesn't just doesn't just doesn't do anything for me really i mean i'm all i'm all for you know having a drink and a chat with friends but uh it's it's the binge drinking that just I just don't get it, uh, but um, yeah, all right, call me an old fart, now no, you've done it. Um, in fact, speaking of wind, uh, while I'm recording today, um, must apologise in case you hear any uh, any wind from outside, of course I'm in the mobile studio, as uh, one of the listeners so uh, nicely described it, um, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's blowing a bloody gale out there today, uh, so apologies if you hear the, uh, the elements buffeting the side of the car. Um, just bear with me. Um, okay, so as I talked about in the uh, feedback special before Christmas, uh, I invited you guys to send in your top five moments from season five of Dexter. Yes, we are talking about Dexter today. <laughs> Typical me to get uh, distracted and <laughs> digress into some other subject, but uh, hey, it's just been Christmas, so cut me some slack, all right? Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're we're going to go through that today. Um, I've had quite a few responses, and thanks everybody who emailed in. Uh, Much appreciated, as always. Um, We're going to have some fun with this. Uh, But before we get into into that, we've got a little bit of uh, feedback to go through, just about the show in general and the finale and whatnot. So um, we'll get stuck into that now, and, and then we'll crack on with the top five countdown. Listener feedback. Okay, firstly quick thank you to two new iTunes reviews that I neglected to thank before Christmas. Um, thanks to Harvey's and Bradley Alice, who both left uh, very nice reviews on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Okay, so first email is from Craig Swanson uh, from Seattle. He says, I've been enjoying your Dexter podcast for the past season. You've referred a number of times over the past several podcasts to the Dexter Uh, the writing staff needing to bring in outside writing talent based on the story credit of Karen Campbell in episode 11, Hopper Freighter. That piqued my interest. After a night of web searching, here are two alternative theories to consider. And in brackets he puts, the second one is less interesting, but I suspect more likely the truth. Theory 1. 
An important story element from episode 11 came from one of author Karen Campbell's books. She has written a number of crime dramas. My initial thought was that the producers used story elements from an existing novel as part of this episode. There was even a link from a year ago on her blog saying that there was a TV option deal on one of her novels. I really like this theory and I embellished it with additional details in my imagination. However, I believe the second theory is more likely. A simple case of mistaken identity. Rather than the UK author Karen Campbell, take a look at this LinkedIn profile for Karen Campbell, who is a writer's assistant on Dexter. <laughs> at which point when I was reading Craig's email I thought, Ah! <laughs> Craig continues... This Karen Campbell has worked at Showtime Networks for a little over two years. It makes a lot more sense that she, rather than an outside author, is the person intended to be credited with the story writing. So, after I got this email from Craig, um, separately he and I both made contact with Karen Campbell, the author, Craig on Twitter and me via email, and both of us got replies from her, both confirming Craig's suspicion that she is not the Dexter Karen Campbell. She says, and I quote, I would love to do some screenwriting. At the moment, I'm just focusing on my books and short stories, so I can't take the glory, unfortunately. So, there we go. Mystery solved. The episode 11 uh, writing credit goes to Karen Campbell, writer at Showtime, and not Karen Campbell, the Scottish author. Which, to be fair, makes more sense, although until Craig's email, I wasn't aware of the existence of a Karen Campbell at Showtime. But... I don't know, it does raise a question of why they trusted such a key episode. Yeah, the penultimate episode, and what could have been the penultimate episode of Dexter as a TV series had, had it not been renewed. Uh, they trusted this to a junior writer, essentially. You can question the wisdom of that. And, of course, we talked about um, the, uh, the failings in some of the plot lines towards the end of the season, things getting dropped, things getting wrapped up a bit too, uh, a bit too cleanly for comfort. Um, and we've, we've, we've talked about that to death, haven't we? I don't know, but at least that's a mystery solved. So apologies everybody for, uh, the faux pas. We, we spent a lot of time talking about that. Um, and, uh, obviously wrongly. So thanks Craig for, for, setting the record straight much appreciated right next email is from david rank in london who says just wanted to say how much i've enjoyed your podcast throughout the season i've been consistently a couple of weeks behind so regret not being able to contribute to the show but it's certainly enhanced my enjoyment of the season i used to be a massive listener of loads of lost podcasts so it's nice to have something similar for another one of my favorite shows Overall, I enjoyed Season 5, if slightly underwhelmed in comparison to Season 4, but hoping Season 6 will be the last one and they can throw everything at it. I don't know if you watch Breaking Bad, but if you do and have the time, I think you'd be able to do an excellent Breaking Bad podcast when that starts again in the summer, but that's only a suggestion. I think Breaking Bad is the best pure drama I've seen. Love it. Dexter could learn a lot. Thanks, David. Breaking Bad, yeah... I agree. It's it's certainly the best drama on television at the moment for me. Um, there are one or two other possible nominees for that title that um, actually I don't watch. And I've, I think I've mentioned this before on the show because someone else actually uh, suggested that I do a Breaking Bad podcast. There is already uh, a good Breaking Bad podcast out there that I've bigged up before. Um, it's called Behind the Cutting Edge, the Breaking Bad edition. So if you're a fan of Breaking Bad... David, as you seem to be, definitely check that out. Uh, my good friend from uh, Alabama, Mr. Bill, he um, he presents that uh, with a couple of other guys, and uh, it's it's a great podcast. It's very laid back, and um, they don't um, they don't pull punches, but they're they're big fans of the show. Um, so definitely check that out. And I don't know if you listen to the uh, the official Breaking Bad podcast that has the showrunner Vince Gilligan on it uh, and cast members and writers and, and that's fantastic. That's a really great companion to, uh, to the show itself. So back to Dexter. Thanks for your comments. I'm glad you enjoy the podcast. Um, maybe uh, you, you apologise for not being able to contribute to the podcast. Well, um, I am going back to the rewatch after after this episode actually and uh, and going back to season one so um i hope you'll uh, you'll stay subscribed and listen to some of those and uh, maybe maybe send in some feedback for that 
Okay, next email. Uh, Jimmy from Airdrie in Scotland writes, Although I've enjoyed Series 5, I would have to place it last in my favourite seasons. I did think, as your guests were saying in the excellent Big One podcast, that everything seemed to be put to bed as if that was Dexter over for good. I would have been happier if the finale had left Deb with at least having her suspicions about Dexter, as it would have made us all desperate for the sixth season to begin. I suppose we were all spoiled by that unbelievably good end to last season. My season order would be four, one, two, three, five. Thanks, Jimmy. I think you're right. If, uh, if, if Deb had had some suspicions about Dexter at the end, and I did predict that that might have been the cliffhanger for the end of this season, that Deb would have had some major doubts, suspicions, or, or some other pointer towards something a bit weird about Dexter, uh, that would have been a lovely little uh, teaser to leave us with um, and, and looking forward to the next season. We, we would have been desperate, wouldn't we? Um, moving on. Thanks, Jimmy. Andre in Australia uh, writes, This season I felt was pretty good, despite the underwhelming final episode. I'd put it somewhere between season two and three in terms of quality, but I was a pretty big fan of season three. But that speaks for the quality of the writing of the whole show. Thanks, Andre. Um, there does seem to be uh, a little bit of a trend amongst listeners uh, trying to follow in my footsteps and rank the seasons, which, um, ah, well, if you remember, I ended up bottling it, didn't I, and, um, and gave up. <laughs> gave it up as a bad job. Matt Humphrey has written back, referring to an email he sent uh, after the finale regarding the uh, Michael C. Hall-Jennifer Carpenter divorce. He writes, about my last email and the rumour that Jennifer Carpenter has been telling cast and crew about her and Michael Hall's private life. I can't remember where I read it. Possibly it was on the Internet Movie Database message boards. If that's the case, maybe I shouldn't have given it a second thought. Anyone could have pulled that out of their ass, I suppose. Oh well, forget I said anything. <laughs> forget what, Matt? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Okay, last email in this section is from Thomas Olszewski in Poland. I hope I've pronounced that surname right, Thomas. He says, I recently finished watching Dexter. Did it over my Christmas school break. I was aware of that show for a while, but at first I didn't think I'd like it. Then my cousin said it's good, and as I had a lot of free time, I decided to check it out. In about ten days, I watched all episodes. Loved it that much. The main character is just amazing. I would really have to work on my English to fully express how I feel about him. No TV series has ever got to me, influenced me that much before. After the last episode, I felt sad. No more Dexter for such a long time and to make things worse. It didn't end really well. It's a pity that Lumen left, really hoping to see her again. I started looking for something related to Dexter. First, I started listening to some of the beautiful tracks from the soundtracks, but then I decided to check podcasts on iPhone, hoping for something interesting, and I found it. I started with finale feedback, and it was quite enjoyable, listening to other people's views on the series, and of course, your comments and views. So, I love your podcasts, they're going to keep me occupied until the season six comes up. Keep up the great work you're doing. Thanks, Thomas. Uh, it's really great that, um, again, I've got another new uh, correspondent from uh, another country, a, a, a country I've not um, had feedback from before. Uh, I have to count up all the countries I've had feedback from this season. It's been brilliant. It's fantastic to know that um, my humble podcast is reaching the international community. It's uh, really great. That's quite a marathon you did over Christmas, um, and sounds like you enjoyed it, Thomas. And I can imagine now, if you've concentrated five seasons of Dexter into a few days, that... Uh, God, these uh, eight or nine months until season six are going to feel like an eternity. Uh, but they'll they'll come round soon enough, and uh, as will my 38th birthday. So um, I've got to get that little uh, minor detail out of the way before, um, before the new season. Uh, but I don't know. Looking forward to Dexter will probably soften that blow. Okay, so thanks everybody who's... Uh, emailed in this time um i've misplaced the phone number um here we go bit of paper right yep <laughs> if you want to uh email in 
not that I've forgotten the email address. It's dissectingdexter at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter at dissectdexter, or you can follow my personal Twitter, which is at gareth underscore UK. Or you can use the listener voicemail lines. In the UK, it's 0844 579 6949. And you enter mailbox ID 08320. In the US, um, currently it's 206 350 6166. I say currently because if there is a whole month, calendar month of inactivity on the on the line, then um, the number gets deleted. Uh, I know it happened to the Dexter podcast over the last hiatus and he had a new phone number for this season. Incidentally, where's Jeremy gone? He recorded till about a third of the way through the season and then disappeared. Um, yeah, so uh, I'll keep an eye on that. Uh, and if that number dies, then um, I'll have to set up a new one uh, for the Rewatch podcast starting soon. Um, so if anyone wants to leave me a voice in just to try and keep that alive or, or maybe even just test it from the States, see if it still works. I've tried it from here and I couldn't get through. Um, so I'm not too sure whether it's already gone or not. My account's still active, so we'll see. <laughs> right, enough prevarication. Let's go, shall we? The meat and potatoes of what we're here for today. The top five highlights from Dexter season five. As voted for by you, the listeners of the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Okay, so we're going to go through the your top your top five, not mine. It's your top five best favorite moments, highlight scenes from season five of Dexter. Now, as you know, I put out the call. Please send me in your favorite five moments from the season, and as you'd expect, I've collated all the nominations and rank them in order of number of votes there was a clear winner it has to be said uh you may be able to guess what that was but we'll get to that there were a lot of different nominations there were quite a few that had just one or two votes i'll just go through a few of those first before we get into the top five uh we had the dan the dentist kill scene uh, I did enjoy that uh, although there was some negative feedback about Dexter's die die comment as he broke the guy's neck uh, but I did enjoy Lumen trying to feed Dan her shoe the Alex Tilden kill scene um, had one or two nominations uh, Charlene from France felt that that was a very important moment for Lumen her first kill the first time we actually see her dark passenger in action and the first glimpse at how perfect Dexter and Lumen are together as partners in crime uh, we had the scene where they were in the hotel room next door to Cole and they heard a girl screaming and Dexter burst in and uh, it turns out the girl wasn't screaming in pain as such. Um, and uh, then of course that moment immediately after where Lumen's sort of curled up on the floor and, and Dexter puts his hands over her ears uh, which was um, certainly one of the most touching moments of the season. Another nomination was the scene between Jordan, Emily and Lumen at Emily's house. Uh, Charlene from France again providing some feedback saying it was the first time we saw Jordan Chase's true nature come to the surface. He finally lost his temper and that made the character even creepier. His lines were brilliant in this scene. I find this profoundly distasteful. What an amazing line in that kind of situation. Yeah, completely agree, Charlene. I love that line. That, if I had to do a top five lines of the season, I find this profoundly distasteful would certainly be among them. That was a good scene, and it was good to see... Uh, well, we really saw Jordan completely coming unravelled, didn't we? Um, Charlene also provided some further feedback on uh, the next nomination, which was the Jordan Chase kill table. She said this scene was great on all aspects. Jordan's confidence, Lumen becoming the protagonist in the killing scene instead of Dexter, the way Jordan is still trying to get to her. Lumen finally confronting him, the way she yelled shut up was so powerful. And then the way she stabbed him, perfect scene. Yeah, it was good. There was some great dialogue and I, I loved Dexter almost taking a, a back... Well, he was, wasn't he? Taking a back seat and watching Lumen in action like... Like he was watching her really proudly. It was a little bit little bit disturbing in a way from that point of view. But um Johnny Lee Miller, well he, he owned that scene. Um but but again, 
great work still from Julia Stiles, who, uh, as I said last time, she really deserves her uh, award nomination. Was it the was it the Golden Globe she was nominated for? I forget now, off the top of my head. Um, Matt Humphrey commented on this scene. He said Johnny Lee Miller was a great addition to the show, and his final scene where he's strapped down and he's talking to Dexter and Lumen was his best. On a side note, my wife has been reading Train Spotting, and right there on the cover of the book is Johnny Lee Miller. It must be an image from the film of the same name, which I've never seen and didn't realise he was in. Yes, indeed, Johnny Lee Miller is, of course, a, a British actor. Um, and, in fact, the cast of Train Spotting is great. It's a great film. If, if nobody's seen Train Spotting, uh, it's, it's very adult in that it has quite explicit... Well, it's full of explicit language, but some scenes of, of drug use, which um, aren't for the squeamish, really, myself included. Um, but Johnny Lee Miller's great. You've got Ewan McGregor, who's brilliant. Robert Carlyle, who is just freaky. Ewan Bremner. Kevin McKidd, who you may know from the TV series Rome. Uh, and Journeyman, he was in. Great film, definitely watch it. Um, but if you can't get a grip with a Scottish accent, you may want to watch it with the subtitles on. OK, moving on. Uh, further nominations, the scene with uh, Boyd and Dexter um, knocking each other out with the needle and tranquilizer gun. Mile marker should be right around here. Careful. Sucker could be anywhere. You really don't want to step on it. Finally. It's right. That was a great moment. That was a real, oh shit, moment. That was good. Um, uh, the Boyd Fowler kill and Lumen witnessing. That was a definitely a huge turning point for the season. Uh, another nomination, the Boyd Fowler, sorry, uh, the shrink wrap guy pursuit. That was, uh, yeah, um, the guy escaping from the back of Dexter's car and, and running along through the, um, the sort of factory complex wrapped in, in shrink wrap. Um, and how close was he to, um, safety if he'd rounded that last corner and the police there and Dexter running towards him. It was, it was, it was like a, well, I'll read a bit of feedback from Barbara in New York, who says, One of the eeriest things for me was when Man in Plastic was running away from Dexter at the warehouse. I could only imagine what it felt like to turn around and see Dexter, your potential murderer, chasing you like that, like a bad dream. And and that's how it played to me, from that guy's point of view, like it was a bad dream. Um, and, and, of course, Dexter got hold of him with just in the nick of time, as, as we knew he would, didn't we? Um, but that was a great scene. The scene where Liddy uh, tasers Dexter uh, was another nomination. Abe in Mexico says it, Liddy was a surprisingly well-written character brought to life by the brilliant Peter Weller. What a guy. He was no Trinity, but he was proof that they don't make cops like him anymore. Or Harry. Or Dokes. Interesting how it's only older guys who can figure or find Dexter out. Why even Lundy had him pretty much figured out, except for the actual identity of the Bay Harbour Butcher. Yeah, fair comment, Abe. Next nomination was Chase's phone call to Lumen, as Andre in Australia said, for him, probably the best oh-shit moment of the season. Let's face it, there were a fair few of those. Dexter? No, it's Jordan Chase. But I'm looking for Dexter. Is he there? He's not available right now. Can I leave a message? Uh-huh. Tell him I'm just checking in and I'd like him to schedule another appointment as soon as possible. Okay. I will. Bye. Hang on a second. Tell Dexter one more thing. Okay. Tell him time is of the essence. Tick, tick. That's the sound of his life running out. Could you be sure to tell him that? Take care, Lumen. 
Another one. I see there were quite a few of these. Uh, Quinn telling Deb how he feels in the interrogation room. Uh, Matt Humphrey said, I know a lot of people don't like Quinn, but he's one of my favourite characters. A worthy replacement for Dokes, in my opinion. I like this scene between them in particular because it's one of the only times you see Quinn being completely truthful. And that's definitely fair, Matt. Quinn. Actually, I think, apart from the way that Liddy's storyline was tied up, his character arc was one of the more surprising of the season. Perhaps the most surprising. Um, how he changed from being a douche to um, to being this sort of soppy guy um, putting his love for Deb first. Because let's face it, he knows Dexter's been up to something and he's got to be pretty sure that it was Dexter who killed Liddy. Yet he put Deb first. So, yeah, good on you, Quim. Um Further nominations. Chase intimidating Lumen at the camp. Rita's funeral. Oh, boy. I um I rewatched that scene, the the funeral scene, um a couple of days ago, and uh, God, it got me choked up all over again. God, this show, honestly, <laughs> I think I'm I'm so invested in this character, um that you just empathise and sympathise for him, and of course Hall's performance is is superb, nothing short of superb. Okay, further nominations. Quinn catching Dexter with gloves in his back pocket. Uh, that could have led somewhere. Obviously, it, it didn't do anything to, to quell, uh, quell Quinn's suspicions of Dexter. Uh, also, the scene where Dexter introduces Harrison to Lumen. That was a nice moment. Lumen being frisked at the airport in episode 5. Now, actually, this was one of my own nominations for best moment of the season. Um, I thought Julia Stiles was phenomenal in this scene. Um, not using any words, just expressions and body language. And, of course, the production team's use of sound. Um, you just you just really... Oh, it was... It really sort of creeped me out... You could see all the all those all that trauma coming back to him in one big one big rush. Um, well done, Miss Styles. Lost my place. Sorry. Uh, Aster and Deb meeting Lumen. That was a good scene. That was a good episode, actually. That was Teenage Wasteland. Um, Abe from Mexico comments, The discovery by the women in Dexter's life of a new tenant. All of it was amazing. Deb's defensiveness, Aster's baby claws full out, even more so after Harrison's mama. And, of course, Dexter being caught in the turmoil of something even his dark passenger can't figure out. The female psyche. <laughs> and and maybe, we should, maybe we should add there uh, also the teenage female psyche. Um, okay, and the, and the last nomination that didn't make it to the final list, the blowing the candle out, the final shot of the season. As Abe describes, a perfect descent into darkness moment. It has the brilliance of Pacino's just when I thought I was out phrase, minus the gesturing. Here we have a guy who thought he could move on. Again, be normal or at least be himself, but that's too much to ask. And it pushed him over the edge from which he had just climbed. And as we saw in the final seconds, Dexter is ready to go back to that darkness he calls home and not come out in a while. Indeed, Abe, uh, it was left suitably ambiguous and I don't know which way he's going to go. Um, it's going to be, of course, as I say, fun to find out. Um, but it really did seem like, especially with his comment, wishes are for children, that um, it's like he's resigned to it, he's given up. Um, and that's... Well, it's tragic, and I guess Dexter is ultimately that tragic character, isn't he? Um, I just hope, when all's said and done, he can find some, some light, <laughs> some lumen at the end of at the end of the tunnel. Number five. Okay, so as I was saying, we got a lot of different nominations uh, for uh, favourite moments of season five. As I said, there was a clear winner, but there were a lot with, with sort of one, two or three votes. And actually, when all was said and done, when I counted everything up, there are four scenes that share the number five spot. Now, I could have perhaps made the casting vote and picked one, but uh, because this is, it's, it's, this is meant to be a kind of celebration of, of our favourite scenes from season five, I thought, hell, let's just leave all four in. They can share the number five spot. So, 
in no particular order for the number five spot, which sounds a bit weird. Is that an oxymoron? Um, it's this scene. Her dark passenger, it's vanished. Say something. Please. Anything, just... Just talk to me. Don't go. You can't. I don't want to. And don't stay here. I can't do it anymore. What we've been doing. You don't have to. But you do. Right? We both know that. It's who you are. You're right. We're not the same. I'm so sorry. Don't be. Don't be sorry your darkness is gone. for me was one of the most emotional moments of the season it was another moment when I really thought we were going to see the first Dexter tear his voice cracks but when he looked down at the plate I really thought the tear would drop I guess we've still got that moment to come uh, listener Thomas from Poland described the scene as deeply emotional and depressing while uh, renowned Lumen hater and uh, devil's advocate Travis uh, said he probably likes the scene for different reasons than others do, but this was one of his picks. But here we had the culmination of Dexter's character journey for the season, starting out with the grief, the dizzy disorientation, not being in total control, letting his feelings and emotions take hold, and then finding a purpose when he met Lumen and learned about her ordeal then finding the human connection with her, the shared purpose, the ability finally to be himself with someone and not have to hide, and be accepted by that person, maybe even find love again. A different kind of love to the one he felt for Rita, of course, but maybe one that could have been most appropriate for him. And in that kitchen scene, we first see him all chirpy and happy, making plans for the summer together before Lumen drops it on him. Now... We can look at it cynically and say, well, guest stars are only around for a season, so Lumen was never going to still be there at the end. But character-wise, I can buy her going. She'd got the closure she wanted. She didn't know what to expect once Jordan was gone, but she realised her lust for revenge was satiated, and she no longer felt any need to kill. An open and shut case. Well, it's great for her, not so much for Dexter or her relationship with him. You can understand her not wanting to be around that, and you can also understand her wanting to go to protect Dexter. Her staying could only implicate him and put him at risk. She knows Deb's no idiot, and, oh God, after that confrontation through the curtain, she had a lucky escape. Get out while she still can, save herself, and perhaps Dexter too. Of course, it's a great shame for Dexter emotionally all that progress he'd made and with that ambiguous ending blowing out the candle and that dark look who knows where we'll go next season where he'll go next season i should say okay the next scene sharing the number five spot is this little doozy what's this where's olivia i just wanted to speak to you first parent to parent uh, you talk to astor 
Yeah, I did. <sighs> Honestly, I'm not sure what I should do. I feel for you, man. It's tough looking after somebody else's kids. Sometimes you just gotta show them who's boss. Is that what you do with Olivia? Show her who's boss? What's that supposed to mean? I know about Olivia's bruises. How they're strategically placed so they won't show. I don't know what you're talking about. No? Let me show you. That's your solar plexus. Right now your diaphragm is partially paralyzed, which is why you're having trouble catching your breath. What are you, man? Some kind of psycho? Not today. Just a concerned parent. That's your liver. The nice thing about the liver is if you hit it just right, you get the vagus nerve, which tentacles out to the rest of your body. Your brain short circuits, your body shuts down, and you feel... What's the word? Terror? Which is what Olivia felt every time you hit her there, just so the bruises wouldn't show. I want you to listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully, because this is what you're going to do. You're going to call Olivia's mother. You're going to tell her you're sick of her fat ass. You can't stand to look at it anymore. And you're going to make her believe it. Because if you don't, she may take you back one day and let you near her kid or mine. I can't let that happen. You're not even going to swing by to pick up your stuff. You're just going to leave. Tomorrow, when I drop Olivia off, you will be gone. If you ever come back, believe me, I won't go so easy next time. By the way, that's your kidney. Listener Matt Humphrey said, I love seeing evil people get what they deserve, especially when it's a taste of their own medicine. And this was a great scene. I think it, it might have been Matt or Travis previously who said that the way this scene was shot reminded them of the early Dexter episodes back in the day. I'm still not quite sure where Barry thought they were going when Dexter led him into that alley. They were having a kind of walk and talk, so maybe he was just too busy talking to notice. But I like Dexter's commentary as he laid into him. Classic Dexter. And this scene leads us on to um, the next scene that shares the number four spot. I can't believe it. I don't want to hear it, okay? This isn't your business, Dexter. Don't get involved, Dexter. You put too much at risk, Dexter. That's not what I was going to say. I'm proud of you. You are? You protected Astor. Put yourself out there for another person. I had no idea you had that in you. I underestimated you. Assumed you were a monster when you were capable. There's so much more. If only I'd seen that, maybe I wouldn't have led you down this path. Now, this is one of my personal picks for the top five. Character-wise, it was a massive revelation for Dexter. To think how different his life would have been if he'd been brought up differently, guided in a different way. Maybe got the trauma counselling he needed. I've said for a long time that Dexter is no psychopath. He's simply a deeply traumatised individual, conditioned at an impressionable age into thinking he's a monster, incapable of being normal, having normal relationships, and... This conditioning has shaped how he approaches everything. He just assumes he can't do it, but has slowly but surely realised that perhaps he can. And for Harry, whatever the visions of Harry are, for Harry to say he was wrong, it's just huge. It was a moment when I watched it, I thought, oh my good lord, poor Dexter. After all this time, there must surely be some major resentment for Harry brewing up inside. I can hear him rejecting Harry, saying... You never gave me a chance. You ruined my life. A showdown is coming. It just must be. Okay, so I said there were uh, four scenes sharing the number five slot. Actually, it was only three and I can't count. Apologies. Number four. Proud of you. You are? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
put yourself out there for another person. I want you to know something. If Lumen's your girlfriend, I want you to tell me. Okay. But she's not. She's not just your tenant, though. She's a friend. She's been through some really... really bad stuff. I'm helping her deal with it. Does it make you feel better? What do you mean? About Mom. Being there for Lumen. Does it make you feel better about what happened to Mom? I love you. You know that? You should commit. Say hi to Cody. Don't blow your cover about Miami. told me to figure out what I want most. The answer is simple. To be a good dad. This was another very significant moment for Dexter. We've criticised this season a lot from several angles and for different reasons, but really it very much succeeded for character development, certainly for Dexter and Deborah, and Quinn for that matter. He's come such a long way, Dexter, the moment as they walked away into the house, you see Aster reach out and take Dexter's hand. Dexter's voiceover saying he just wants to be a good dad, that really brought a lump to my throat. It was so touching and moving and should finally put a stop to anyone left saying Dexter is a psycho or just a serial killer. He's definitely no psycho. Number three. Okay, of the number three scene. Matt Humphrey described it and said how Dexter's raw emotion was great to see. Even though I was a bit concerned that he has broken the code, I thought maybe he was going to turn into a regular serial killer without a code for the rest of the season. He was talking about this scene. Hey, 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 hey. I said, what the fuck is your problem? I've had a bad week. My wife died and it was my fault. Well, I'm real sorry for your fucking loss, but your dead wife can suck my dick. I never meant to hurt her. First human thing I've seen you do since she died, Dexter. I thought you'd left me. I'm here. It's okay, son. To show what you're feeling. When I saw this scene in the opening episode of season five, I thought, 
Oh, shit, he's in big trouble now. Watching it, his hands and fingerprints are all over that room. He probably had his tools on the boat, but he'd have had a considerable clean-up job. And then he got back in time for the funeral. I guess that was convenient writing, but really, that reckless explosion of emotion should have had some consequences and been more than just a chance for Dexter to release some pent-up emotion. That said, it was wonderful acting by Hall. That scream went straight through me. It featured in the summer preview too, if you remember that, and when I saw it, it really got me excited for some chaotic craziness from Dexter. I thought, God, this season he's just going to be a loose cannon, just going on a rampage. He's going to be off the leash and... oh. But no, it was just a bit of a flash in the pan in that regard. Um, He was able to regain some composure and probably just as well for him. But, um, well, he was still a little bit reckless in other ways, but um, fortunately that was uh, the only time we saw him uh, dirty his hands in such a chaotic and and unrestrained way. I mean, you could argue the the Dan the Dentist scene was... um, could have ranked as uh, well it was certainly unplanned but uh, he got away with that one didn't he and the circumstances kind of lent themselves to uh, sorting that one out but I'm waffling let's go to number two shall we number two now this scene from episode six it was Obviously a popular choice, and also featured in my own top five. And for me, it was the funniest moment of the season. I did big it up when I did my episode six review. And uh, some of the nominations I got, uh, listeners commented how they thought this was the funniest moment of the season. Can you guess what I'm talking about? Dexter. You will not believe what I found. in the mother of fuck went on in here i know exactly what happened two words autoerotic mummification see mr plastic man shot captain bloody underpants while underpants was in the choke mr plastic man has hammocks between underpants and land chop thanks to masuka's keen expertise deborah will be able to close this case Evidence will go into a banker's box and be filed away, eventually transferred to a storage facility in Bradenton. And that is where it will stay, locked away, forever in the dark. If only everything were that simple. Thank you for the visual. Asphyxiation heightens the high, but it's not without its risks. By the way... I wouldn't touch the nozzle of that hose. Abe from Mexico said, No surprise here. I mean, what a performance. The whole scene was hilarious from the moment he took over with a dead serious tone only he could use to say the words autoerotic mummification. (laughs) It was a series highlight for me, for Masuka. A great line from Deb and a terrific punchline from Masuka about the hose. This was on the back of a pretty good episode, actually. Very 24-esque. And bearing in mind the connections to 24 with the likes of Manikoto and Chip Johansson among the writers. For me, as I say, this was probably the funniest moment of the season. Misuka had a few funny moments, although he was he was missing from at least one episode completely. Um, certainly in the first half of the season he featured more prominently and uh, had some good lines, good moments. Um, but as far as funny moments are concerned, I, I thought the uh, scene where Boyd and Dexter took each other down was pretty funny too. But really, the sight of Masuka miming the tweaking of nipples will haunt me forever. <laughs> Actually, talking about Masuka, this reminds me of uh, another of his funny scenes when he showed off his tattoos. And we got a very tasteful glimpse of his leopard print underwear. Maybe... Maybe if I did a top five most disturbing moments of the season, that one would be in there. (laughs) All hail Masuka! Number one. Okay, this is it. As voted for by you, the listeners of the Dissecting Dexter podcast, this is your favourite moment from season five of Dexter. Did you guess what it was? You probably worked it out by elimination from what we've already talked about. 
Yes, it's that moment from the finale. Don't move. Don't fucking move. Whatever's in your arms, drop it now. Both of you. I know who you are. Number 13. And I know what they did to you. Seen the tapes. I watched them over and over. It's a miracle you survived. A fucking miracle. And you, whoever you are, you know that too. I said don't fucking move! Maybe it's true some people deserve to die. But I'm a cop and I don't make that fucking decision. So I'm gonna call this in. In an hour, this place will be swarming with police. If I were you, I'd be gone by then. Described by Andre in Australia as a moment that had some potential, especially being the last episode, though I did find the whole screen device pretty lazy and cheap from the writers, but a pretty good moment. And Jimmy in Scotland said it was a really jaw-dropping moment. And it really was. My wife sat next to me and just said, Oh my God. I loved how they didn't use any music in the scene, just the ambient noise and the sound of Deb's voice. Very nicely staged. And let's be thankful we're getting season six. If for no other reason than if this had been the final season, this would have been the discovery that never was. All we've been building up to with Deb not knowing or suspecting Dexter. It would have been for nothing, so thanks B for that. I've quoted several listeners already, and I've got some further great comments from regular contributor writer gal, whose nominations and comments were part of a longer email that I'll go through now, because it ties several season highlights together and makes for an interesting read. I'm sure you'll agree. She says... Contrary to common opinion, I believe the writers sketched out a six-season arc for Dexter way back when the series began. As a professional writer, you have to know where you're going in order to implement character changes. And as you've mentioned before, Michael Seahall was signed up to a six-season contract when the series began. So, although a series can be always prematurely yanked if the ratings are awful, the writers would be foolish not to plan a complete story arc for the protagonist. I believe Dexter is all about how a traumatised person who is constantly seeking to right the wrong done to his mother can realise that he is human, that he can love, and that he is not cursed to be a monster. Unfortunately, for the sake of dramatic tension, our Dexter always seems to take two steps forwards and one step back. He finds a wife and loves her, and she's killed. He loves Lumen and can be completely honest with her. She leaves. So what does season six hold? If we think in terms of the biggest possible picture, what can Dex learn that will help him along his path to complete personhood? Season five gave us several important milestones that are a necessary part of Dexter's journey, and they are my five killer moments. Number one, the standoff between Dex and Deb with the plastic sheet between them. Of course, we were set up for this perfectly. We had Deb learning that some people don't deserve to live. We had her saying... I know who the vigilantes are. Me, because that's what I'd do. And we had a realising that the vigilantes' relationship was based on love. So we were perfectly prepared for Deb's willingness to break her former code of conduct and let Dex and Lumen escape. And no, I don't believe she knows it was Dexter. During her, you think you know a person's speech, she was mainly talking about herself. When Deb does learn the truth, I believe what we now have as a backstory will lead her to accept Dexter for the man he is, or was, if he's more human by that time. Second moment is when Harry tells Dex that if he'd known Dex was capable of placing another person first, he'd have led him down a different path. Huge moment, and another necessary step if Dexter is to be healed by the end of the story arc. 
Dex is not a psychopath or a sociopath. He has feelings and he is quite capable of loving. Another time we needed to be set up and prepared for what is eventually coming. Third moment, in the car, when Dexter told Aster, I love you. Except for the times he says it to Harrison, who scarcely knows what it means. This is the first time Dex was able to be open and truly honest about his feelings. When we love someone, we make ourselves vulnerable. I think his reluctance in the past has less to do with the fact that he couldn't love, but that he never wanted to make himself vulnerable. Vulnerability goes against the code and never get caught. Fourth moment at Rita's funeral, when Dexter realised how much he truly loved Rita. Even then, though, he couldn't admit it aloud. He only said it to himself. And finally, the moment when, after hearing Lumen say that she's ready to stop killing, but he's not, is he? Dexter looks at the plate and sees himself as a monster. And it's his rage at the monster within that causes him to hurl and shatter the plate. He's not angry at Lumen, he's angry at his dark passenger, and if he can be rid of it, he will be. So, I don't believe any of the seasons were written on the fly, but that we have all been following a previously sketched out story arc. When I write a novel, I don't outline every detail that will follow, but I certainly know where I want it to end. And I have a vague notion of how I'm going to get there. So I don't think any season has begun with a completely blank slate. There is a story arc, there is a conclusion in mind, and as fans and predictors, our task is to think, what will it take for Dexter to become human? Love, certainly. Perhaps exposure to Deb, if he can be completely honest with her, and be accepted. That might be a huge step forward. Or if he can do something to finally help himself feel that he's righted the wrong that set all this in motion. Hmm, infinite possibilities. Okay, wow. Thanks, writer gal. Uh, great email. Um, you, a lot of your highlights actually were pretty much the same as mine, um, with, with uh, perhaps just one exception. You raise very good points about the moments and you link them together nicely um, in the context of Dexter's character journey for the season. Now you uh, obviously give a little bit uh, a little bit away there about um, what you do for a living. I did speculate earlier in the season uh, when you were when you first wrote in and, and came up with some very deep insight into the characters and I was thinking are you a psychiatrist or psychologist or something uh, but a novelist makes complete sense so um, obviously I, I appreciate um, appreciate your input very much um, and I accept that uh, and it well it would be nice to think that the creators had uh, a start and end for the character journey of Dexter to give them some sort of direction and I'm sure they do for each individual season as well bearing in mind this season that when they started and when indeed they'd finished filming as we've mentioned before uh, they didn't know if they were going to get renewed or not so it's interesting that they were prepared to I mean they may have had an inkling as to whether they were going to get renewed but not confirmed maybe they'd had it confirmed privately but, I mean, let's look at how the finale panned out, that it was left ambiguous. It was left with Deb not knowing um, anything about the truth of, of Dexter's um, hidden self. Uh, it would have been terribly frustrating for us as viewers if that had been it. Uh, but um, let's just bring it back to uh, our, our number one moment for a, for a moment. It does set us up very nicely for the well, I say inevitable uh, moment when Deborah finds out about Dexter, that how she, how her character dealt with letting these two vigilantes go and how she dealt with the her, her feelings afterwards and, and this conflict within her that she's now stepped into this grey area when she previously held such high standards as a police officer and a, a law enforcer. It could be that her eventual discovery of Dexter is her reaction. I'm sure she'll be shocked. But when she sits down and thinks about it, maybe it will soften how she reacts. And she realises that Dexter's been in this, well, slightly different grey area. Um, in that he's, well, he's been a vigilante of sorts. But as as, as we've discussed, he uh, his motivation for killing is, has been slightly different. But has it? As Reitergal said in her email, there is he trying to just trying to just make amends, trying to redress the balance, putting right the wrong that was committed against his mother and him, 
and indeed his brother. Is he trying to take out some bad guys, trying to take out some killers to, as I say, redress the balance, perhaps? That's an interesting interesting angle to pursue, perhaps, another time. So, just bringing it back again to our countdown, our number one moment then, uh, yours and mine, was the plastic curtain confrontation, or slightly one-sided confrontation between Deb, Dexter and Lumen. What a great moment that was. And it was one of those moments where I just, as I said in my review, I just didn't know what was going to happen, whether Lumen was going to make a run for it um, to maybe protect Dexter, draw Deb's fire, allow Dexter to get away. But I don't know, whichever way you cut it, it was a great scene and a worthy winner. And as I say, it was a clear winner by uh, by several um, several votes as your favourite of season five. <laughs> to end up on my table email dissectingdexter at gmail.com so a big heartfelt thanks to everybody who took the time to write in with your nominations I hope you've enjoyed this little trip down memory lane of season 5 I had fun going back and uh, getting the sound clips it was nice to, to relive those moments again and uh, Rewatching some of them, as I say, it did one or two did bring a lump back to my throat and, and bringing back a little bit of the uh, emotion that I felt when I watched it the first time. Okay, so that's it. Before I close out the show, it's appropriate perhaps to um, go to our, our last sort of regular feature of, of each episode, which is this. Next time on Dissecting Dexter. Yes, indeed. Dissecting Dexter is not going away. We're going back to the Season 1 rewatch. That'll be the next podcast. We'll be looking at Season 1, Episode 7, Circle of Friends. The synopsis for the episode just briefly reads, The ice truck killer is supposedly identified, but Dexter is sceptical. Meanwhile, Rita must deal with the return of her menacing, recently patrolled ex-husband. And viewers of Lost will be excited to note that uh, a very familiar face is playing Rita's ex-husband. We'll go into that next time. If you have any thoughts on Season 1, up to and including Episode 7, please do write in, or ring in, dissectingdexter at gmail.com. I suspect by the time uh, this podcast goes out, the uh, the US listener line might well have been um, cancelled. So, uh, But by all means, try 206-350-6166. Or in the UK, it's 0844-579-6949. And you enter mailbox 08320. So as I say, we're going back to the rewatches. We'll then proceed through season one and on into season two after that. We'll see how far we get before season six comes around again. I would guess it'll be late September, won't it? Uh, so I would sincerely hope that I get through season one. That would be uh, that would be that would be nice just to round that off and get into season two and all that Bay Harbour butcher stuff and dokes. Oh, there's great stuff to come, isn't there? Okay, so as I say, any feedback up to and including episode seven, the rewatch podcasts are spoiler free. So um, in the rewatch shows, I just talk about what's gone before up to and including that episode and not bring up anything that's that's to come um, so as not to spoil viewers who haven't seen all of Dexter. So that's it for this episode. Thanks very much for tuning in. I hope you guys will stay subscribed and join me through the rewatches, and uh, we'll have some fun with that. It'll be nice uh, going back and uh, getting stuck into those old episodes again. The the first six episodes that I reviewed last year. Personally, I had a lot of fun going back and rewatching those old ones, and it was the first rewatch I'd done of those early episodes and it was uh, it was really enjoyable and I was getting a lot more out of it than um, I did on the first watch so uh, I hope you agree and you'll join me hopefully the next podcast will be probably in I don't know two or three weeks time uh, all being well depending on scheduling so um, keep an eye out for that stay subscribed on iTunes keep an eye on the Twitter feed at Dissect Dexter because I'll be posting updates about the podcast there as well. Um, So in the meantime, as I say, thanks very much for listening and for your continued support. Much appreciated. 
All the best wishes to everybody for 2011 and for dissecting Dexter. I'll be back very soon with the rewatch. And as for season five, farewell. Take care, guys. We'll be dissecting some more Dexter very soon. Cheers.